You're listening to Newcastle in the Morning. Welcome back to the program. You're with Tracy Mack here on Newcastle Live. It was a very, very interesting election. There's no doubt about that. The Liberals didn't do well at all, but the Nationals managed to hang on to their seats. And joining me on the line now, joining me on the line, joining me in the studio actually, is the Senator-elect, Ross Cadell. He's a local boy. He went to Cardiff High School. He's, uh, he's as local as they come. He's unemployed for the next six weeks because he can no longer work at the Port Corporation, but he joins me in the studio now. Hi, Ross. How are you, my friend? Good. How are you? I'm good. This is bizarre. I mean, obviously, you and I have known each other for so long. Um, you know, you go back to the Newcastle Knights days, the V8 Supercars days, the Port Corp. You know, we've been to- together through all of this. Now you're a senator. I don't know how that happened. I, 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 <laughs> what, the, the, the Knights and the V8s or a no, senator? The senator thing. It's still a, a bit freaky, but it's one of those things that just evolves. I was in politics for a while and then got out to come back to the port and fight for something I thought that was important up here. And I just saw the opportunity working with good people in the federal uh, party. Saw an opportunity. Got on great with local Labor members. Sharon and I, Sharon Clayton, Newcastle member, was very supportive. And I thought, wouldn't mind being a part of that. And it just all happened, just opened up and thankful. Did you expect the result? I mean, obviously, uh, on, on, I knew that you were going for it. Um, when I saw it pop up on your uh, on your Facebook page that uh, you'd, you'd won, was it a surprise? Was it a shock? Or was it just, thank God it's over, I can now get on with the job? Uh, on the election, it, it was expected. We've got at least two up every year since uh, 1997. So being two on the Senate ticket for the coalition, I thought that was likely. The pre-selection was interesting because I was up against John Anderson, uh, primarily his ex-Prime Minister mm. of Australia. And he's a great... He was an idol of mine. Is everything quite good? And I was genuinely surprised. There was a couple of uh, things there. And I think the party just said John had done enough for us. Mm. And that was the real big surprise because John is a titan. John has really solid views, great Australian. Getting that, it was just that he has done enough. We can't ask him to do more. But on the election result, it was... We were watching at home. We brought the family. I just just something I want to do a bit quietly. Yeah. And it was when Anthony Green got to five percent and said one. It was cut a cake, had a sing. It was all good. Mm-hmm. That's great. Now, obviously, as I said, yeah, you, you've had such a, a varied career. You've you've been involved in all sorts of things. What do you think you'll bring to uh, to the position of senator? Besides being the shit stirrer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's gone. I, just more grounded experience. I, it's quite an odd thing to say what I think I really bring is not a a history of unbridled success like so many senators I've had my failures I've had my losses we've uh, done those things at the night so I had a race team that went unfortunately bad after a sponsor uh, fell over it's being a journeyman and experiencing life far more simpler than a lot of people have been successful and the hunter has a funny view of things I've always thought that the hunter doesn't vote on what the government can do for it just doesn't wants the government not to do stuff to it mm. and we have suffered for a while so i'll go down there i'll listen i'll have a look i'll be respectful i want to change the way we have conversations i think the vast majority of politicians go down there for the right reasons and are good people they want to make australia our country our regions better they just have different ways of doing it and uh, not an overly religious person but if you say hate the sin not the sinner mm. 
it's the thoughts that we need to fight, not each other. They are fundamentally good people, and if we respect each other, we can disagree whatever we want on policy, but let's have a beer or, or a cup mm. of tea afterwards. And I think um, in Joel Fitzgibbon's farewell address, I think that was that was what really resonated with me when, when Joel stood there and said, you know, the way that we behave in this, in this parliament is not acceptable to the people of Australia. We need to fix that, and we need to fix it soon. Do you think that there is an appetite for change with, with this new government and, and with everybody going in? There is going to be so many new people in there, Ross. Do you think the potential to change that is there? Yes and no. I think we want them to change, or oh, oh, now we want me to change. I was going to say, you're, you're, <laughs> you're part of the week. <laughs> um, but what happens, people get the politicians they deserve, not the ones they want. Mm. And I've come from the campaign side. And when I can run a negative ad saying, you know, Bilbo Baggins is a bad person because they ABC. Whilst that's effective, more effective than a positive ad, and people change their votes, you'll get more of them. I remember a 2016 campaign, we had shot three negative ads in the can, radio, TV, ready to roll, and we weren't running them until we saw another campaign kick negative ads off, and they were having an effect on the polls. Mm. So if people don't like negative campaigns, if they don't like conflict, stop rewarding it. That's all I can say. Mm. If you change your votes because of negative stuff, even though you don't like it, I can poll everyone that I don't like negative. Mm. Stop changing your vote because of it and you'll get better campaigns. Mm. The United Australia Party is a perfect example of that. You know, um, the full-page ad with Craig, uh, Craig Kelly saying, you know, he's your next PM. I think that scared the bejesus out of everybody. <laughs> You know, that that kind of the kind of negative campaign that was run run by those guys. I, I think for all of the millions and millions of dollars that they spent, I think it proved that Australians don't want that kind of crap in their in their electorates. Craig, uh, let's talk out of school. Mm. I was uh, national party director in uh, from I think twenty eighteen to twenty twenty, and the, Craig reached out a bit of a time when it looked like he wasn't going to be pre-selected to become a national party member there not saying that he wanted to mm. just just feeling it out and i think that you know craig wanted relevancy he wanted to stay there and with clive he found a budget where that might have been the case but it was uh, a strange campaign ultimately unsuccessful when you look at the hundred million dollars or so that is rumored who knows what that is yeah, who knows? for no result versus the tealies for i think they had 20 odd million that they got four or five up you just see that there's far more to a political party than money. It is about ideals. It is about beliefs. And that's the reason we're there. We're there to try and make life better for people. And I just think we're not even getting close to that. We just have to stop making life worse for people as a first step. That would mm. be a great thing. That would be a great thing. Now, obviously, the last time we had uh, we had a local representative in the Senate was, uh, was John Tierney. Um, obviously, uh, you're a hunter boy. You're a Newcastle boy. Um, you know, you live down the road. You've you've been a card of high boy. You know, you've worked in the port. You know the people of the hunter. How do you see the next uh, next coming few years? You know, are you going to be based in the hunter? Are you going to be an advocate for the hunter? Where do you see your your position? I will be based in the hunter. It's uh, to be determined. You know how everything falls in the end. But in one of the four uh, lower five lower hunter seats, I'll be set up an office. Still have got to go to Canberra 70 days a year, but not only will I be an advocate for the hunter, but for non-capital city people. And it's a funny thing being a nat from Newcastle because everyone thinks, ah, Newcastle, Sydney, Wollongong, get everything. Mm. But I, I doubt you get many people in Newcastle say we get everything. And when you see, you know, eight, nine, ten billion dollars being spent on roads in Sydney so people get to work 10 minutes quicker and we haven't got safe roads up here, uh, that's a problem. And I think in... 
COVID, you saw people moving to where they want to be. They found out that who they live with and where they live is more important. Mm. And there was, for the first time in a long time, a migration away from cities to the regions. If we had built the infrastructure uh, in the regions where they would be supported and could have the same lifestyle, more would have come. They've come despite Mm. those things. And the Hunter offers a great lifestyle. I'm down at Redhead. I've been in Cessnock, lived at Charlestown. And I love this region, but I love it because, you know, Newcastle City is strong, but mm. we're still a town. You, I know you, you know me. I'll go mm. down the road. Someone will tell me what an idiot I am. They're mm. right. But <laughs> it's um, – but we – and my great concern, I understand we need to fight corruption. My great concern with the Integrity Commission coming, for, coming forward is that it will say, oh, this cost-benefit analysis doesn't warrant – doesn't – you know, justify the expenditure in this regional town because there's not enough people benefit. And they're talking about benefit, not need. Mm, that's I, a big difference. There is a massive difference mm. there. So if they get that balance right, that, that's good. But I, I have a fear where the bureaucracy can use something like that to determine policy. And I, I use an example. I'm, you know, always over the top. But if I get elected and I want to spend $2 billion on a statue of a banana, uh, you know, in Western then that's my job. Vote me out next time because that's ridiculous. Mm. But these things have to be, you know, elected. people get elected to do the things they want, they need, they held to be accountable that way. Not when they say, oh, this $12 billion road will save 10 minutes for 20,000 people, therefore it's, it's more worthy than a road that saves someone's life once a year. That's just not, not good. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely there. I was having a discussion with somebody over the weekend about, uh, you know, the, the housing affordability issue, the fact that we need need more done. You know, I mean, we need a concerted effort to to send people into the Tamworths, the Armadales. You know, we need to look at how we, we look after our regional cities. And, you know, the greatest way to get to more affordable housing is to move government departments and to move the jobs and to provide, as you said, to provide the proper roads that we can we can get to these places. I mean, that's got to be something that uh, that the Nats would, would, you know, we're talking purely regional. We're talking about uh, affordable housing. That's got to be something that we've got to start to look at as a country. That uh, that we have to get back out into those regions if we are going to survive and if we are going to allow our children to buy homes. It, and they need to. I think the housing. There's lots of policy that came up in this election about housing affordability, and it struck me strangely that both solutions were pu- to pump more money from different sources mm. into the housing sector. I don't see how either of those makes housing more affordable over a long time. I can't see how a closed economy with more money in it gets cheaper. No, I see it gets more expensive. And so uh, I think it's a supply problem. I think we need to have a look at, I think we've got some great initiatives on making uh, more sustainable housing and, and more sustainable living. But with that comes cost. With planning controls comes a restriction on supply. And as you say, if we move to more regions, we had a greater capture of where we can build more. But I'd like to see more houses available, uh, more apartments available. And I think that's the only fix because the only way you cool the economy down in a small sector like housing is to rip money out of it, which means uh, a housing tax or an inheritance tax. Those things are not wanted by either party. I accept that. So if we're not going to work with ripping money out of a system, we have to work with supply and regions offer that chance. Absolutely. And and they offer the chance for jobs. They offer the chance for diversification. They offer the chance to get people out of Sydney. And, uh, you know, that's uh, I, we don't want them coming out of Sydney to Newcastle because all that's going to do is drive up prices, which we've seen. We've seen exactly that. That's what's happened. 
Um, so it, we've got to look beyond beyond and, and out into those regions. And some of those regions, I mean, you see it more than me, some of those regions are dying, aren't they, out there in, in regional Australia? They are. And it, it's the death of a thousand cuts. What you see is, uh, let's use an example, uh, dollar milk. You suddenly uh, don't make as much money on your farm, so you cut a farmhand. The farmhand may take with him a couple of kids from the school. The school's no longer viable, so they lose a teacher. That might be the income that kept the bank open. And these things fall and fall and fall. And you don't need to fix everything overnight by putting... But one or two people moving back into that town makes things more viable. That's what we need to do in these regions. I campaigned um, up in Page, which is a seat around Lismore and, and Grafton, and that entire town with the floods is just it's devastating. It's so sad. And the money that needs to go back into there to give these people their lives. But what do they do? They own their home and they can't get insurance anymore, so they can't get mortgages and, and stuff. But they're the things right throughout the regions, the things that people take for granted in capital cities, a little bit around here, but towns don't have that. They have really strong problem with net migration away from it because they don't have the services. You'd have hospitals that are built as good as anywhere, new hospitals, Dubbo, you know, out in the bush, not not way out there, small things, but I think Inverell's got a new hospital mm. all, all up in the north. Tweed has got a marvellous looking thing. But we need to get the doctors there, we need to get services there, we need to create lifestyles and communities where they want to go there. And I think that Dubbo and Orange have very similar infrastructure in hospitals, but Dubbo has maybe 100, 120 uh, specialists go there because... Mm. It is a different country lifestyle than Orange. Orange has over 400, 450. And because they have that community, because they have the support services, people are happy to go there. We need to create more of that out in the bush. Yeah, we absolutely do. So obviously you're going to be spending 70 days uh, a week in Canberra. You're going to be back here in the Hunter. What are you going to be doing? So as as the senator-elect, what uh, what are you going to do? Where do you uh, – obviously you're six weeks away until uh, – and so, you know, you're unemployed until then. Yep. So once you get your feet under the desk, what's, uh, what's your first thing other than uh, to keep them honest and get everything that we deserve up here and that's been promised? What else are you going to do down there? Uh, I've got to do Senate school. I go back to school apparently as a Senate school in the next few days. <laughs> I love it. I can't wait to hear about that. <laughs> I um I was th- when I heard that I was thinking painters and dockers in the old song nude school but um <laughs> the uh, uh going back uh so we'll go down there honestly I think we're a bit powerless in where we are it looks like the um the Labor Party have got a majority in the lower house clearly but I think Labor Party and Greens will probably have a majority in the upper house in Senate so they will be able to move through what they want we'll have estimates where we can ask questions and hold the government accountable that way but. It is largely their government to run as they see fit. We'll try and keep them honest. The one thing I'm passionate about, with the Nats, we, as part of the net zero negotiations, there was some transition funds set up for regions. The Hunter received that, I think about nearly $800 million. They're the funds that were announced with budget and post-budget, so Newcastle Airport, Port of Newcastle, where I used to work, uh, Mandalong Road, Musselbrook Bypass, all of those things, I think Singleton Sale Yards, a pipeline for some vignerons up in Musselbrook. They're the things that have been legislated, that have been done. I will vehemently kick and scream if any of those are wound back. The promises going forward to Labor's, that is their government, I respect their win, will do that. But if they retrospectively come back and change the things that have been legislated, 
I will, you know, throw my toys out of the, the cot and have a crack at them. Good, I can just see it. Now, uh, speaking of, uh, of federal politics, we've got Barnaby on the uh, on the television saying that uh, as we speak, Labor does not have a majority. Well, he is correct. They don't at this point in time. Um, we're still sitting at 72 seats. I can't see them. They Look, they're going to get to at least 77, I'd say, Ross. They're, it's highly likely they're going to govern in their own right. I think that's likely. I, mm. You know, this is... What we need to put in politics is more truth and less spin, and I think it's highly likely they will get there. Mm. And Barnaby's right, they haven't got there yet, but let's face it. They're going to get there. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to love Barnaby. You've got to love him. Do you see Barnaby staying as uh, leader of the Nationals? I think so. There's an interesting thing in the Nats that no matter what, every election, win or lose or draw, there's a uh, spill. Everyone does it automatically and they re-vote. Now, they'll have a party room meeting. Uh, I won't be part of that because I'm not down there till July 1, but I, I haven't seen a large large groundswell or anything like that. So, so yeah, most likely. So here we go. I'm going to put you on the spot now. Who is the leader of uh, of the Liberals? Is it Peter Dutton? Is it uh, – I just – yeah, anyway. Well, first, I hope and pray it's not Peter Dutton. But anyway. <laughs> first rule of politics is learn to count one higher than your opponent. Yes, exactly. Uh, Queensland did very well in the election mm-hmm. compared to the other states. So I think uh, Dutto coming from Queensland, he's the man most likely. I don't know him, haven't worked with him. Mm. I w- will say uh, – one experience we had whilst I was at the port, uh, anecdotally, makes me think that he's not the evil Voldemort that everyone calls him. Uh, mm. When the subs decision came up and Newcastle was shortlisted, and I think along with Brisbane and uh, Kembla, it was odd. We didn't see it coming. We didn't. And then doing some digging behind, I, I came across a story about why this might be the case. Peter was really concerned when he became defence minister with defence suicides of veterans and family breakups. And when his research came through, it was that all these postings to all these different places quickly weren't livable and uh, families were breaking down because of the postings. They were travelling away and someone would finish their military career and their relationship had broken down, their career was over, they didn't have a lot that they saw in front of them. They were having real trouble transitioning back. And the one thing he wanted to do was have larger, longer postings near more livable cities. And mm. that's why a uh, predominant reason those three places were picked, that mm. we have a large military infrastructure with Williamtown, that uh, more military could come here. Great place to live, as you know. Mm. Um, the support network was there. And that's right. So wow. it was a very, for a guy that doesn't good, get good press, it was a very human thing to try and support mm. defence people post-career and defence families during career. Mm. I thought that was a very good idea. I'd love to see personally, I'd, I, if he gets up in Gilmore, I'd love to see Andrew Constance, but uh, he's only a baby in the world of federal politics, so I, I can't see him having the numbers to uh, to be uh, the leader of the opposition. Look, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Best of luck. Um, I'm very excited that we do have a, uh, a senator here in the Hunter. I think that's very, very important for us that you live here, you support us here. You are as dinky-die Newcastle as they come. So congratulations, best of luck, and it's going to be a fun next few years. Thanks very much. My pleasure. That is uh, Ross Cadell, who is the Senator-elect for uh, for the Nationals, and uh, I do uh, do thank him greatly for coming in, and fingers crossed we can um, keep the bees honest. That's what it's all about, isn't it? You're with Tracy Mack on Newcastle Live.
Newcastle in the Morning covers the big stories that matter the most to you. The local issues often neglected. Tracy Mack's plain talking, no nonsense approach will get your morning off right. Talking news, sport, entertainment, music, lifestyle, and more. Joined by Michael Blacksland and covering what you need to know and even some of the stuff you didn't. It's Tracy Mack with Newcastle in the Morning. Weekdays from 9 to midday, only on Newcastle Live.